Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Well, it seems you've stumbled onto Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Ah, you know what really grinds my gears, Jason? What grinds your gears today, Brian? I don't know if it's the half a bottle of wine I drank last night probably or the fact that these spelling bees are going on right now and just we're in the news but spelling is driving me insane now i get it i i understand when you're texting me okay whatever or even you know when you're just tweeting or you know it's your own personal facebook page and you're typing something even though spell check is built into everything and you really have no excuse i don't care if you misspell something wrong however if you are running a page that is meant to make you money, and you are a meme-generating machine, and you are loading up Photoshop and making graphics, and you still spell shit wrong. What the hell is wrong with you? Okay, yeah. I was, I was wondering where you're going with this, because I, I am the one that is always railing on, on the, all the articles we read every week. It, there's a, at least a typo in every single one of them. But Yeah. It, and you're just like, get over it. This is how the, that's totes how the kids spell these days. But now it is totes it, how the kids spell these days, <laughs> and it is what it is. But I mean, if you're putting together a goddamn graphic that you're hoping goes viral, oh, I'm looking at you, whiny moms. W i n e y, clever. See what they did there. Yeah. So they 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 put up a meme about are you high maintenance and you establish points for everything that you do as a woman throughout the day. High heels every day. You are female. Are you not people that run this? You have worn these all your life. How did you spell heels? H-E-A-L-S. On your graphic. Well, it, honestly, it is at the end of the graphic. And since they are drinking, since they're drinking wine, they may be, <laughs> you know, getting a little sloppy by the end there. Oh, yeah. Because honestly, when I'm looking at this graphic, I am much more offended at the mixing of the, the font sizes and lack of alignment on anything whatsoever. I, I personally enjoy the multiple watermarks that they took the time to put into, even though they couldn't bother to spell high heels correctly. Yes, and you said this comes from whiny moms, but this says it's from mom talk dash mommy chat. So it, well, I don't even know what that is. So they may be stealing. I think they probably or, stole it. Who cares? These are shop shoplifting mommies. High heels. Oh. God, I got so upset when I saw that last night. <laughs> Speaking of misspellings. Okay, here it comes. I mean, we, I, you know, the problem with doing a weekly show is this has been beat into the ground already, but Kofave. Kofifi, I, I like to say. You like Kofifi? I like Kofifi. We can't not talk about this. Again, talk about highly recognizable brands screwing up. <laughs> right, yes. We, we can talk so, about it. We just don't need to beat it into the Kofifi. <laughs> Apparently, the leader of the free world has done what many of us have done and passed out drunkenly in the middle of a tweet. <laughs> it, it does happen. It does happen. <laughs> Which is not exactly what you want the president to do, but it happens. So uh, the reason this is notable is basically the Internet exploded in a way that I have not seen in a long, long time. It, not since, and, and funnily enough, this it came on the one year anniversary of, of the death of Harambe. Which yes. also was was quite you know it was a year ago so and that was a meme generating machine too in, yeah, a, in this... a completely different way but and th with this one yes I have not laughed this hard in a long time 
It, it was hilarious. It, uh, I I was um I go to bed rather early these days because of my child, and and this happened 11 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, I was basically my bedtime. This is when I'm calling it a night, and uh, things just started to explode from there. I stayed up for two hours because I could not get off of Twitter. Oh my god. You're a machine. <laughs> it was so fantastic what happened. So we have a link in our show notes. Uh, the Nerdist put together a good roundup of some of the best memes and jokes that occurred after the Kafafe scandal. <laughs> um, now, this could have just been all fun and games. Uh, the Where it takes a turn for darkness and sadness is what happened the next day uh, when Sean Spicer, the White House press secretary, basically tried to pass it off as this was meant to happen and only people in the know know what Kafafe means and this is a real thing. You know what? Fuck you guys. This is what banana republics do. They <laughs> refuse to ever admit they're wrong and they try to make it into something. Bullshit. That, that, it was all fun and games and then the next day I was just pissed. I was, see, I was not pissed because, it, you know, he's, he's trying to save his job at this point. He's on his way out. At least he didn't hide behind a, a bush and, and give the, the, you know, the address. But the thing about it is Actually, the entire I that's what uh, that's what Kafafe stands for. It's hiding in a bush <laughs> yeah. to get away from facts. <laughs> but the fact that the entire press corps busted out laughing when he said that yeah. was pretty good. And he still you know tried to pass it off as yeah, no, no, people in the know. Uh, yeah. There is hey. here's here's what we do know that there is no one in the know. Yes, in the White nobody, House right now. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Over there, apparently. So anyways, that that was all that. So it was a good laugh, and then it wasn't for me. Anyways. Okay. I'm still chuckling about it. <laughs> all right. So let's get back to some of the things that we like to talk about a lot. Uh, you and I have been debating recently with uh, some of our great listeners chiming in as well uh, what the robot revolution is going to mean uh, for jobs. And there's been, you know, you have postulated that, well, people are going to have to maintain and clean the robots. And uh, some of our listeners also have been sharing links. And a lot of people are talking about this now, which I think is a good thing. This is something that we need to start discussing. Um, Recode has come out with an article showing that there are actually indeed more uh, manufacturing jobs coming into the U.S. right now than there were previously. Um, but <laughs> the question is for how long? And what we're seeing is that robotics and robotic manufacturing and things like that have lowered the price so much that we are able to bring some jobs back from overseas because we need significantly less human workers than we did before. So we're seeing a net increase of jobs being brought back from overseas, but not a net increase in jobs in total. Okay. And what we're basically what this article is basically saying is right now it's a mutually beneficial trend with robots bringing U.S. jobs back, but it's eventually the robots are just going to take over. So. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that's what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, I mean, this is kind of the way that I felt about it. So, of course, I put the article in because, you know, self-selection. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> so I've, I threw a few articles in here. I'm just gonna, I'm not going to talk about them too much. We're going to get to the news. But uh, these are about things that we've talked about. Being overworked in Silicon Valley is a thing. And David, Han yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. And David Hanemeyer Hansen, you know, the creator of Ruby on Rails and uh, one of those guys over there at that 37 Signals place. Or I'm mm -hmm. sorry, they're not 37 Signals anymore. I think they're just Basecamp now. Uh, okay. he, he's got an interesting article on Medium called uh, Trickle Down Workaholism, Workaholism in Startups. And it just basically runs down like the craptacularness that it is to work in Silicon Valley. Now, the thing that is interesting about his company, Basecamp, is that, uh, you know, it's the summer right now, so they're only working four days a week. And generally, they don't work more than 40 hours a week. They have it down That's to a nice. science where there's like, no, you go home at the end of the day. These people don't like to work a lot. 
So they get their job done and then they go home. Like like <sighs> the way like it used to be. People. Yeah. Like the you know, like the reason that you and I never got promoted back when we were in the workforce, because we did that. We worked really hard, got our stuff done, got actually the work of two to three people done, and then went home and then got in trouble for it. Yeah. No, that's yeah. about it. <laughs> I remember Technorati when I left, they hired four people to take my job. Yeah. Like I, good times. if they had just, like I said, if they'd have given me four times a salary, I'd have stayed, but they didn't <laughs> want to do that. Yeah. Uh, another interesting article in here comes from Vox. Uh, Silicon Valley's mm. basic income fans should spare a minute to defend the actual safety net because Medicaid food stamps and housing assistance are all on the chopping block. Well, I mean, I'll, yes, we, all those things shouldn't go away to begin with. The UBI is supposed to defend the fact when you act, when you have absolutely no job left. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I get it. That's cool. I, yes. Keep, yes. Uh, forward thinkers. Keep in mind what's happening right now. Mm hmm. And, you know, since it wasn't a really great week for tech news, because everywhere I went, it was just Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, Kofifi, Wonder Woman, Kofifi, everything. And so mm -hmm. I thought to, to break the tension, we do have some great news this week. I don't, this isn't really tech news, but it is, it is breaking news. The Top Gun sequel is going to be called Top Gun Maverick, and not Top Gun 2. I wish they called it Top Gun Medium. In the news. In continuing Uber news, mm. and the with the, the Waymo case in full swing right now, Uber has finally pulled the trigger and fired Anthony Lewandowski. Okay. It's one of those things where they say that Lewandowski did not comply with the court order to turn over some uh, documents or, you know, basically what they were asking for from the courts, and he was supposed to be helping the investigation, and he didn't do squat, and so Uber gave him the boot. Well, look at Uber actually doing the right thing for once. Now, to be to be fair to me, only after it was painfully obvious that this guy was extremely in trouble and wasn't doing anything right. And it was very, 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 very bad. OK, yeah. then they finally did the right thing. Well, they had no choice. They honestly exactly. had they had zero choice. If they could have kept him, they probably would have. They're not doing the right thing. They're doing the only thing. And they're saying that. The, the, I was trying to be positive to Uber for once. No, no. <laughs> because this is there's probably going to be some more criminal investigations going on with Lewandowski, so they gotta get rid of like, you know, distance themselves from him. But this does not right. this is not a good sign for Uber's uh case. Nope, it is not. Uh and uh speaking of self driving cars, because you know, mm -hmm. that's the way the world is going. Uh Yandex. Have you ever heard of Yandex? I have not. Uh, it's the basically the Russian Google. Oh, okay. They have decided to get into the self-driving car market now, too. Oh, God. Okay. Everybody's mm. doing self-driving cars. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry, it's a Prius. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, the first one's up uh, on a gadget, and there's a picture of it. And it is a Prius. I knew you would love that because you love the Prius so much. Yeah, like uh, the problem with the Prius is the humans behind them. So this is a step in the right direction. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Just, you know, we know what happened when Uber tried to run their self-driving car in San Francisco and it was running stoplights. So, well, you know, uh, less less restrictions in Russia. Mm -hmm. They'll be running over people and it'll be fine. Yeah, just, they just don't. <laughs> that's the thing about self-driving cars in Russia. They just don't stop. You just yes. <laughs> that's it. I mean, I, I just I just have Yakov Shmirinov in my head now. In Russia, <laughs> car drive you. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. 
Now, this is an interesting article. It came out, uh, I believe, yesterday, and it's about Intel's report on what they're mm. calling the passenger economy now, and right. which is a terrible name. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but they're saying that by in, in about 30 years, this could be a $7 trillion boon to the economy. I would like to know where that $7 trillion is coming from, as every single person who is currently making the only living that they can by driving cars uh, will no longer be employed. Well, you're not going to have to own a car anymore. You can just, right. you know, spend a few bucks on it. So that no more car payments, no more car insurance. And 250 million hours of commuting time every year is going to be freed up. So that's more time to not have a job. <laughs> more time to sit around and not have a job. That's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. But there's a, I mean, they, they break down all of the different areas that this, they, they think the money is going to come from. And, you know, nobody can predict the future. But nope. it's, it's a fun read if you're, you know. Nobody could predict the future, but we wouldn't have a podcast if we didn't try. If we didn't try. Yeah. Uh, what does it say? $3.7 trillion is consumer mobility as a service. Basically, you know, ride sharing. Yeah. Uh, $3 trillion is freight and trucking. Right. So that's your $6.7. $200 million from new applications and services. The amorphous new applications and services. Whatever oh, that's that only, that's only two, Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Da, da, da. They break it down okay. I haven't read the report because it sounds like it would just be boring as hell to read. But because mm -hmm. none of this is actually probably going to come true. But, you know, <laughs> people are putting putting their, their heads behind it. So, I don't know. I, I, yeah. <laughs> there have been no great breakthroughs recently. And, and no. like we talked about, I think about two weeks ago, Tesla is being awfully quiet. Tesla's being awfully quiet. They're going to they're going to be the ones that are going to come out with something that actually works. But what I think we're really seeing is, you know, we've had two years of incessant nonstop buzz about self-driving cars, and we've gotten no closer to actually having any prototypes that actually really work in the real world. Uh, you know, I was the one that was initially saying, you know, I think these things are going to happen way faster than than any of us believe. I'm starting to slide over to your way of looking, Jason, and I'm saying 20, 30 years before this is out there. I think until it's ubiquitous for sure, you know, 10 yep. years until it's safe enough. Uh, Audi is actually going to start testing. I forgot to put this in the notes. I saw this this morning, but Audi is going to start testing their self-driving car. It's a level three self-driving car in New York City soon. All right. Why are these what people? What could go wrong? Yeah. Why are they going to San Francisco, New York? It's like, come start on, guys. in Montana. What's <laughs> yeah. wrong with you people? Or, you know, go to, go to Arizona where the worst that you're going to kill is like, you know, an armadillo or two or a tumbleweed. If but, the Mythbusters were able to find basically abandoned cities every week to blow stuff up, why can't these car companies? Seriously, you know? I swear to God, it's not that difficult. There are so many World War II era, you know, cities like, uh, you know, from the Nuke the Fridge scene in, you know, Raiders 27. <laughs> Go find one of those cities. They got to be all over the place. Or build your own. You've got more money than God. Build the, the perfect city to start testing in. And do it there. Just stay out of our streets until you figured it out. Exactly. I don't understand starting in these highly populated areas. It's unbelievable. No. Um, and in good news, Lexmark loses their Supreme Court case about uh, refurbished ink cartridges, which is okay. good news for everybody. Yes. Up until you need to go buy a new printer, because what this means is printer prices are going to start going through the roof again. That's fine. I, I don't care. I, right. The, the idea that it's actually cheaper to go buy a brand new printer than it is to get the cartridges is ridiculous. Well, yeah, they sell them at cost or lower than cost as a loss leader to sell you the ink, which costs more than gold in, in yeah. some instances. 
So yeah, I'm I'm glad that. So the the whole issue is that they were putting chips in all of their cartridges, so you could not use a third party ink in your printer. Mm-hmm. And so if you bought the Lexmark ink and you wanted to have it refilled with third party ink, couldn't do it because the chip would basically say no, this has already been used. And they they were claiming patent infringement. And the course, like no, 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 no. You sell it, <laughs> they own it. That's the that's it. So. Yeah, which is important. It's an important precedent because a lot of the company, a lot we've talked about this a couple times on the show. This is what, uh, this is every company's wet dream to be able to absolutely own everything, no matter the idea that they're just renting things to you and you don't own them when you buy them. Yeah, like the John Deere situation that's going on, exactly. where people are trying to, they have to jailbreak their hundred and fifty, two hundred fifty thousand dollar tractor with mm-hmm. Polish firmware, so they can just do what they want to do with it. Yep. So hopefully, this will be, you know. This will keep carrying on, and John Deere will be in the headlines next that they lose. Good. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, have you heard of the CRISPR? And it's not, I a, have. It's not a Big Mac. It's not a... It's I a, would it, go salad if I was going to go any food item, Jason. Yeah, I know. I know. I was just thinking of the crispy <laughs> lettuce on top of it. It was like a version oh, okay. of the Big Mac. Because when I see a Big gotcha. Mac, I think, you know, lettuce and tomato. Yes. And, yes. Anyway. CRISPR is the gene editing and splicing uh, tool that, that, that has just uh, been all over the news recently. It's a huge breakthrough and game changer in the area of uh, basic gene editing. Yeah. And it was part of what the basis of the last Daniel Suarez book was. Yes, the boring one. Yeah, the really boring one. Well, a new study from Columbia University Medical Center offers a word of warning for those scientists using the CRISPR-Cas9. And it turns out they found that gene editing technology could lead to unintended mutations. No, really? What could possibly go wrong? Who'd have thunk it? So if you mess around with your DNA, things could go wrong? Yeah. If you pick a random base pair that you're trying to figure out and something could, you know, maybe grow tentacles... And come and kill us all. Have they not seen Jeff Goldblum in The Fly? Seriously. What's uh, wrong with these people? Yeah, I, Jurassic Park. Come on. What happens <laughs> when you put lizard DNA into a, you know, oh man, come yes, on. Yes, of course there's going to be problems. Of course there is. So this is a very, uh, this technology is in its infancy. Hell, we don't even understand what half of our DNA does at this point. Uh, so the idea that we're just going in there with a knife and chopping it up and splicing things together. Yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, we don't stop. But we also don't mess around with humans. How about we just, you know, mess around with beer? Oh, beer's fine with me. Which brings us to the next story, which I just threw in here. This is going to be in bric-a-brac, but then I saw that you had a CRISPR story. So this is a guy. Uh, this is His name is Terrence O'Brien. And what, what really caught me about this story isn't the fact that he wasted, <laughs> like he says, uh, CRISPR is a DNA editing tool that could cure cancer. And I wasted its potential on beer. So he bioengineered a glowing beer and says it hasn't killed him yet. So (laughs) (laughs) yet. So, you know, this is sure. I mean, to me, this makes sense. Let's mess around with something that is basically meaningless and let's make sure that this works and, you know, mess around with that sort of stuff instead of going straight to people. But what blew my mind. But he's putting it in his in his body, though. That's the problem. Uh, I, one would assume he's testing it, but uh, I guess not. Hey, <laughs> this is a dude know. that made glowing beer. Do you think the first thing he didn't do was drink it and see if his pee glowed too? Jason, do you think the first <laughs> thing that we would do if we got one of these kits is make glowing beer? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So. <laughs> no, this man, this man is one of us. I'm, I'm oh. fine with that. Yes, he is. He's one of us. One of <laughs> us. Uh, but what blew my mind about this whole article, it's a fun read. You should go and check out the whole thing but the barrier to entry is so low it's a 160 dollar kit from a company called the odin which does not spark me with 
great hope but uh that's all you need to do to get uh get this all together and basically start uh genetically modifying your own beers a crisper is only a is under 200 bucks this kit that he uses is, is uh, under 200 bucks well i'm gonna have to look into that yeah then it can sit in the closet next to my arduino kit that i never used either <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the real internet news that happened this week, which, uh, you know, we started the show saying not much happened, but a pretty big thing did happen. The problem is it's all kind of boring. Uh, Mary Meeker's 2017 Internet Trends Report, all the slides plus analysis. Now, I have to agree with the... Well, unfortunately, it's a non-ironic headline, but I'm going to read it ironically and then agree with it. This is the subhead of the article over at Recode. The most anticipated slide deck of the year is here. Up until now, I would say, said no one ever, but apparently someone said it. It's a bit like I have my most anticipated hemorrhoid has appeared. <laughs> yes, it is. Ah, yay. It's, yeah. Yay, it's hemorrhoid season. Um, so let's just do the bullet point takeaways that they're coming uh, coming up with from this slide deck. Global smartphone growth is slowing. This is not shocking because everybody and their mother now literally has a cell phone. Yeah, uh, Q planned obsolescence. Yeah. Voice is beginning to replace typing and online queries. Well, yeah, everybody got uh, an echo for Christmas and everybody's <laughs> starting to use Siri. So shocking. Uh, in 10 years, Netflix went from zero to more than 30 percent of home entertainment revenue. I don't not surprised by that either, really, because that that's, that's in the U.S. Changed. though. That just, just to clarify, yeah. that's in the U.S., not globally. That's true. Uh, entrepreneurs are often fans of gaming. Quoting Elon Musk, Reid Hoffman, and Mark Zuckerberg. So global interactive gaming is becoming mainstream. Uh, hasn't it been mainstream for years now? This is seems yeah. to me ridiculous. I mean, the, when, it was like 10 years ago that the gaming industry surpassed the movie industry in, in revenue. Yeah, so see, that, the thing about it is what they're talking about is actual gamers, people who are gaming. Back then, it right. was, you know, in 1995, it says there were 100 million gamers out there. So... Hmm. In 2017, 2.6 billion gamers. But I think they're fudging the numbers on this because they count any asshole that downloaded a copy of Candy Crush as a gamer now. And that's just not yeah. true. Yeah, I guess. Uh, China remains a fascinating market. This is this is an anticipated slide deck. This sounds like a no shit <laughs> Sherlock slide deck. Yeah. Um, Okay, so there's that. Uh, the internet growth is slowing globally. That's not the case in India. Also not shocking. That's probably where most of the cell phone growth was. That's the, been mm -hmm. the big growth area for a long time. Uh, in the U.S. in 2016, 60% of the most highly valued tech companies were founded by first or second generation Americans and are responsible for 1.5 million employees. This is a stat that would not have made the deck if there would not have been some stupid things going on in our government. Yep. Uh, healthcare. Wearables are gaining adoption with about 25% of Americans owning one, up 12% from 2016. Obviously, nobody is listening to our podcast because we can tell you how useless those all are and what security risks they are. Uh, well, so. <laughs> the, the healthcare wearables, yes, almost everybody I know has a Fitbit. Out of those, about 4% of my friends actually still use it. The rest put them in a drawer. You know, they have they wear it for a month and then or they wash it, they lose it. They just don't care. And well, that's 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 I mean, you could draw a direct parallel to the gaming stats where, you know, everybody and their brother downloaded Pokemon Go and then stopped playing it except for Teeter after 2 weeks. Yeah. So it's interesting to to read this, but I just think they're fudging the numbers on some of this stuff and it doesn't really count. What are you going to do? And speaking of what are you going to do? Alphabet, Amazon, Facebook, three of the big five, um, basically, <laughs> wow, I, I, I knew that they were big and I knew that they were basic, almost monopolies. Um, but until I read the numbers from this article over at Salon, I, I had no idea that it, how big they were. Um, Facebook 
has commands nearly 80% of all mobile-based social media traffic through its platforms. Yeah, that that's does not, insane. Doesn't surprise me. They bought that everybody. Is insane. Alphabet mm-hmm. and Facebook taken together take home 85% of all US digital ad revenue. 85%. Yep. <sighs> and then if you get into Amazon and online retail, I mean the numbers there are, are unbelievable. This this article is shocking when you you know, we 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 know these companies are too damn big. Too big to fail, perhaps. Uh, but uh, when you start seeing these numbers broken down, it, it's shocking. It's terrifying. Um, and this guy, Jonathan Taplin, who is over at uh, USC's Annenberg Innovation Lab, is basically saying, we need to break these companies down, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. It, it, honestly, it would be it would actually be good, but it's definitely it's going to be tough. You know, we had the whole Ma Bell breakup that worked for how long until they got back together? <laughs> uh, you know, government regulation is not really something that's on the, you know, the tip of the tongue nowadays up in Washington. So just let yep. everybody go do what they want to do. Now, it, it's interesting talking about how big these guys are now. My friend Todd Lappin, who, he's a, a tech writer, posted a, a little movie on Instagram as he was on a train going by the construction of Facebook's new building. Mm-hmm. He was like cooking on this train, probably going about 30 miles an hour. And it was like a 45 second video. How, right. And it was it's so unbelievably massive. Well, I mean, Google the new Apple building. Oh, my God. My. Yeah, that thing is insane. I, I want to go visit that thing badly because <laughs> it's a hugely I mean, building. Yeah, it's very bigly. It's, it's bigly. <laughs> mm. My hands look tiny when I put them up next to it. Yeah. Now, that thing's finally opening. And it's it's gorgeous. I mean, I got to say. Just the tech that went into the windows alone is impressive. <laughs> yes, but the problem is, as as we've discussed, it's five companies to rule them all. Yep, that's it. The big five. Yep. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Amazon, one of the big five, they've got a new patent that they just filed. Yep. For their, their drone delivery service. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it takes battery to land the drone and have the drone take off again. So what they figured out is, why don't we just put a parachute as as the shipping label so when we drop it, it can just land in the backyard safely? Kind of genius. Yeah. I mean, make it the the genius isn't the parachute. It's making it the packing label. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, can't happen on a windy day, but nope. if it's uh, honestly, though, if it's that windy, the drones won't be able to fly anyway. Yes. Yeah. That's, no that's ice cream true. for you. It's uh, it's a bit windy outside today. <laughs> and I mean, it doesn't help if you're in a in an apartment building. But, you no. know, the one thing that they were speculating is that people if you if you wanted to sign up for the service, you would get like a little landing platform that you could attach to your balcony. And mm-hmm. then the drone could land on your balcony and leave you your package. Yeah. And then when a gust of wind comes, and it blows it <laughs> off the blows it off the building and it lands on a pedestrian. And then and we have all sorts of new problems. But anyway, it's a cute patent. Go check out. Yeah. It's on the next web. And they have a. Some uh, sketches of the patent application. It's it's cute. Well, one of the places they could test this when they're ready to roll it out, and we've talked about this before, that a lot of companies will go to test new products, new technologies, etc. They 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 want they want something that's kind of self contained, and you know, just here it is. We can test it in this area and see how it goes. One of the places that is often used is Hawaii, specifically the island of Kauai, one of my favorite places to go. Is that the place with the chickens? 
That is the place with the chickens. Okay. Yes. So there, you know, there's a, it's a small contained space, limited amount of people there. Uh, it's a great place to test out new products. And Tesla is currently doing that by powering the entire fucking island with more than 45, uh, 54,000 solar panels and giant battery packs. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. It's, uh, the project is expected to reduce fossil fuel use by approximately 1.6 million gallons per year, um, and they're going to start turning on the massive solar system in phases. So I, I hope to, well, with the kid, it's going to be probably another year before I can get there. This is one of my place, favorite places to vacation, but by the time I get there, I'm hoping this will be up and running and I'll be able to go see it. That would be, be cool. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. that would be very cool. So uh, Silk Road Creator. Uh, Ross, what's his name again? Albrecht. Ross Albrecht uh, has lost his life sentence appeal. I would tell you more about it, but Wired has put on a super fantastical ad blocker no-no page, <laughs> and I forgot to shut off my ad blocker on uh, Opera, which I'm using now, so I can't tell you a damn thing. Well, fortunately, I figured out how to turn off the ad blocker to read the article, but yes, he <laughs> lost his appeal. He is in prison for life. That's, that's basically that's, what I just said anyway. Exactly. So that's what I mean. I read the whole thing, and it, it sums it up right there. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, the title is actually this story. You can read the the minutiae about it, but he's not getting out. He's not getting out. And it's I'm torn on it. It's deserved, but not. I mean, I just think the sentence is way too harsh. It's extremely harsh. It's extremely yeah. harsh. And they're, 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 you know, trying to make a point. But yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because, you know, he was a he was a good boy. He was he was a quiet boy. What could go wrong? Well, he just built a platform. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, read, read, the, read the book that I talked about last week, Nick Bilton's book. He did a lot more than just build a platform, I'm, I'm afraid. I know. He was, I know. <laughs> he, he, got, he got kind of mad with power. Yes. Which is what happens when these kids get rich. Uh, anyway. Thank God squad, we never got rich, Jason. Seriously, we might actually be in, you know, trouble or hanging out with, you know, Kim.com or something like that, hiding away in New Zealand. There That's are worse right. places to hide away if you got to go hide. But Brian, have you ever used the Geek Squad? No. Well, I, yes, for my parents, because yep. I didn't want to deal with it. That's generally how it goes. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. Everybody's like, ah, Mom, Dad, I don't really want to fix your router. Call the Geek Squad. And then, yeah. you, then you call them later. It's like, they cost me $500 to have them reboot my router. It's like, I'm like, that saved me a day driving down there and having to do it. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I kind of feel bad, but really not that much. Uh, RTFM, folks. Yep. <laughs> so... There's an interesting article in Tech Dirt. The EFF is suing the FBI right now because mm-hmm. they allegedly use Geek Squad employees for off-the-book searches, basically warrantless searches of people's yeah, we, computers. We, we covered. We talked this. about this when it when it first came out. That yep. yeah, yeah, that the FBI basically was paying off uh, Geek Squad people. If you find something on there, tell us. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and the FBI wouldn't turn over any documents about it. So now the EFF is going after them. So this is okay. this is a new. A new wrinkle in the story, which I thought was hmm. which was really nice. The EFF, I'm glad my money's going to good use that I send to them every year. Yeah, me too. That's good. Everybody, go donate to the EFF. They're they're yes. they're watching your backs when, when so you don't have to. The KLF is also good, but really the EFF give them the money. Yes, indeed. And in an interesting turn of events, remember Delicious, the old bookmarking site? Vaguely. Yeah, I used it a lot back in the day. They they were the first site to basically do tags. Um, right. What was his name? Josh something. I can't remember. He was kind of a jerk. Uh, he invented Delicious, and then it sold to Yahoo, and then it bounced around. But while it was going through that transition, Pinboard came 
into existence. And that's what I've been using. And we've talked about the guy from Pinboard because he's kind of a, a loon Twitterer. And he's doing that. What was that thing that he was building about trying to make a union for tech workers that you were so up in arms about? Oh, I vaguely remember that. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, he was trying to do that. Well, turns out that he has acquired Delicious. Okay. He went, you know, he's like, it was up for sale and he bought it. So he's apparently doing well over there. It's a one-man shop. I mean, you got to give him credit for that. He's built this whole thing by himself, runs it all himself. And he wakes up very early in the morning. Yes, he does. And the thing about it, though, is uh, I'm just like, well, why would you want that? But in his post, he's like, there are 1.1 billion links inside of Delicious's database. So I can do some really fun stuff with that. That and nobody can go up against Pinboard and survive. <laughs> so right. it was cute. Uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't use it for anything that those 1.1 billion links would I would care about. As long as the service stays up, fine by me. I use it. I use it every day and I have no problems with it. I got bookmarklets that work in Opera now. Thanks to Monkey 13's uh, hack with the extensions for Opera. I love it. I, I pay for it. I love it. So I'm happy that uh, he's doing well enough to go out and buy the corpses of his fallen, you know, adversaries. <laughs> That's the way of the internets. Security? Ha! We're back again this week with Security Ha! Huh? With the Bitmeister! <laughs> What's up, Dave Bittner? How you doing today? Uh, I'm doing very well, gentlemen. Doing very well. How are we all doing today? Doing okay. Not as well as the master of the bits, as it were. The master of the bits. You know, I, yeah, I guess it's, uh, well, let me, let me just say this. With the name Bittner, when you're growing up and you're making your way through grade school, uh, there are very many different <laughs> alterations that people can make to the name Bittner. Uh, I'm sure you can imagine some of the some of them are vulgar in lots of different ways. My favorite um, was uh, Bit Nerd. I think that's kind of oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, that, yeah. it's kind of nice. So it, compared yeah. to some of the other things that Bit rhymes with, so well, we I, I do have a friend named Sean Bonner. So he, I think he yeah. suffered probably more than all of us. But yeah, DeFilippo was. Uh, I got DeHippo a lot because I was a large kid. <laughs> that okay. was okay. that was a fun one. Yeah, yeah, got many a fight for that. <laughs> I had Schulmeister Brau because Meister Brau was a relatively cheap beer on the market at the time. It was only retroactively later in life that I was pissed off about it because it's right. such a cheap beer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah there's I, really I, not I, much I, to complain about with with that one. But uh, yeah, no. the hippo was a was a nasty one. Well, I've got something to complain about, Jason. What do you got to complain about, Brian? Well, one of my biggest pet peeves in life is inconsistency. Mm. And mm. I've got a story that is incredibly inconsistent here. Uh, this comes from over at Engadget, and this is about uh, people not handing over their iPhone pins to to the government and, and other entities. Now, the first guy uh, was uh, is a child abuse defendant, and he basically uh, claimed uh, – no, he provided an incorrect code and got six months in jail for it, uh, despite pleas to the judge that he couldn't remember it, so he just gave them something because apparently he had to. Now, the second case is this guy's a guy accused of extortion. He also claimed to have forgotten his iPhone code, but he got let off without a problem. What the hell? What the hell? Let's go to Dave Bittner for this one. <laughs> well, okay. So it is an interesting case. Uh, I actually checked in with uh, Ben Yellen, our law and policy expert, uh, from who helps us out on the CyberWire with these sorts of things. And generally, we've talked about this before on this show, where generally the understood rule was that um, 
they could compel you by they, I mean, law enforcement, they could the power, compel you. The power of law enforcement compels you. Right. Well, the, well, yes. they also have guns. So that's kind of a, <laughs> and, and jails and things like that. So, so those are, those are uh, compelling things as well, but, um, they can compel you to use your fingerprint to unlock something, but generally it was understood or accepted that they couldn't compel you to reveal a password because, the uh, I believe the Supreme Court case said that you couldn't um, compel someone to reveal the contents of their own mind, and that has to do with the Fifth Amendment, where you are you cannot be compelled to incriminate yourself. The difference being that they can force you to hand over something like a key to a locked box, and in this case, they think something like your fingerprint is the equivalent to a key. It is a physical thing, whereas a password is something that is within your mind. Um, the contents of your mind, and that's protected by the Fifth Amendment. So I was surprised to read this as well, because I thought that this was pretty much a, a settled thing, uh, or at least a, a standard practice. Uh, so I did check in with Ben Yellen, and um, he said that what's going on here is actually a separate issue from the Fifth Amendment. According to the Court of Appeals in Florida, which is where this took place, the unlocking of the phone doesn't really count as a self-incrimination for Fifth Amendment purposes, um, as long as law enforcement can 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 affirm that the evidence they're looking for is almost certainly on the device they are seeking to unlock. Evidently, there's something called the foregone foregone conclusion doctrine, which is just called that, the Schrodinger's doctrine. <laughs> well, so the foregone conclusion doctrine says that if I have absolute proof that the thing that I'm looking for on this device is going to be on that device, then it 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 doesn't enter into Fifth Amendment issues um, because it's not really a matter of privacy. If I know the thing I'm looking for is there, then it's not a privacy thing. It's not about you. It, it basically bypasses the Fifth Amendment. Okay. Uh, and that is what and and that is what they're saying the case is here in Florida. Now, if the thing isn't on on the phone, then you get all the monies. Well, no, you get you get a mea culpa and a gift certificate to Sizzler. So okay. but, but that's about it. But, it's Florida, but, man. Well, it's what do you Florida, want? <laughs> so you get a gift certificate to Gatorland. So <laughs> here's the thing is, as we've talked about many times, your phones contain so much information on your device. One of the things with the foregone conclusion doctrine, my understanding when it comes to things like phones is part of what they have to convince the judge is that when they in, when they unlock this device, they can go directly to the stuff that they're looking for. So, Your Honor, I'm going to unlock this device. You're going to watch me go right to photos. And there's <laughs> the child pornography, right? You know, there's the, the incriminating things. And we're not going to go on a fishing exposition, um, right. expedition, sorry, on this device. Oh, nothing in photos. Let's open up Dropbox. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So that's part of what the foregone conclusion doctrine is supposed to protect you against. But again, it's all a little different with our mobile devices because they contain so much stuff. So yeah, and the law has not see. caught up to this. The yeah. law has not caught up with this, and I was unaware of the foregone conclusion doctrine before we saw this story. So. These things are still yeah. fuzzy, and I, I I believe we're headed to a Supreme Court decision on this. I think it's it's inevitable that there's going to have to be uh, a case before the Supreme Court that settles this notion of where do we actually stand when it comes to our privacy and our mobile devices. 
Yeah, right. and you know, Brian mentioned Schrodinger's cat. I think this might be more Heisenberg's uncertainty pin. But <laughs> since it's you know, there it, these photos could be in a state of being or non-being by the but you have to open the phone to find out. So, yeah, right. Right. And again, you know, the 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 foregone conclusion doctrine says that they have to convince the judge. We know these are on this device. We're not just looking around for something. We know here's the evidence how why we know that this stuff is on this device. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Well, one of the other things we've talked about a lot in this segment is how uh, painfully poor most medical security is. And uh, I put one story in our show notes. Two days ago, three days ago, and lo and behold, a second story with basically the exact same thing dropped today. So we have two stories of plastic surgery places basically being hacked and before and after completely nude photographs of people being leaked on the internets. So would this Uh, be called a plastic surgery disaster? uh, It's, uh, yeah, worse than Tara Reid. Oh, God, you guys don't listen to the dead Kennedys, do you? Never mind. I listened to the Dead Kennedys uh, approximately 25 years ago. Okay. I listened to them probably 25 <laughs> minutes ago. So, yeah, I'm so familiar the, with who the Dead Kennedys are. I can go far as to say that. I'm sure somebody in the audience got the joke. So that's well, okay. That's, and isn't that all that really matters? Yeah, screw that, you too. <laughs> screw you guys. I'm going him. <laughs> all right. So the first was over 25,000 photographs of patients at a Lithuanian cosmetic surgery clinic uh, after the clinic refused to pay out 300 bitcoins, which is currently approximately $70,000 in ransom earlier this year. Uh, apparently, this got $700,000. Oh, $700,000. Yeah. My bad. Uh, apparently, yeah. this, uh, this place got some uh, celebrities from the UK and Europe that went there. And uh, the second one, which uh, just broke, was uh, from Rodeo Drive Plastic Surgery Clinic. And this has uh, quite a few celebrities, apparently. And uh, they're all being leaked as we as we talk about. So, I mean, uh, people have just got to start realizing there's – I don't care what you do as a business. Uh, security is a real issue for everyone. Yeah, and the thing about it is I was thinking about this when I was reading these – Two articles and I'm like, yeah, I know it's, you know, for before and after photos, but do you really trust anybody to take nudes of you and say, hey, we got them. That's cool. It's like nowadays you have to talk to the IT guy before you give anybody any business, small business, large business, your personal information to find out what their security practices are. I agree. I agree. I think that needs to be part of the disclosure. I mean, you sign off on so many things at any any doctors, especially like a plastic surgery thing. You are signing paperwork left and right, not I'm indemnifying them for anything. I want to see their security practices as something I'm signing off on as well. Not that I'm going to get plastic surgery anytime soon. Yeah, a couple of things come to mind with this one. One, I think, um, first of all, it is heartbreaking because this is not only a situation of celebrities getting a facelift or a, a tummy tuck or something like that. I mean, these are also people who may have serious issues uh, where they require plastic surgery. It could be a car accident or you know maybe something they were born with, something like that. And this is their their private. Uh, photos being leaked out there. And, and that's just uh, like, like the first line in the Gizmodo um, article says, it describes them as, Jason? Asshole hackers with no compunction. There you go. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the really even more worse than just the photos getting out there, these are photos directly tied to people's names, addresses, jobs, social security numbers, everything. Everything yeah. got out, which is just yeah. terrifying. 
related to this, I was talking to a security researcher earlier this week, and we were talking about medical security. And he said uh, he found buried deep within the eula of a uh, of a, t- a test he was given, he he had some you know medical condition where it was in his best interest to have a DNA test done. And he had the DNS, the DNA test done, but it was revealed uh, deep, deep within the agreement of getting the DNA test done that that company was going to share his DNA information with <laughs> the insurance company. Yeah, no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> and so what he had to do was shop around for a DNA company that would not share his information with the insurance company. Um, yep. and, and the point is that who even thinks to look for that buried deep within the agreement? If you, you're in the middle of a medical procedure, I wouldn't have thought of that, but no, these no. are, these are real issues now. Well, like we were talking about laws, just not catching up this, this falls right in there. And it's, it's terrifying that you really have to be your own advocate and you have to basically almost have a lawyer go through every bit of paperwork you do, no matter what you do now to, to make sure that this stuff isn't happening to you. Yeah. But Facebook is here to help save things. This is a <laughs> slightly lighter story. because Here uh, Zuckerberg decided, comes to save the day. They decided <laughs> to rename uh, login approvals to two-factor authentication because that's what it fucking is. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so at least they're clarifying situations for us a bit. What did they have before? Zimboozle security? <laughs> no, it was literally called login approvals. Ugh. So that was your two-factor authentication. If it means you nothing. It means nothing. It. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Some marketing wonk. Well, it's good yeah. for them. Good for them. Now, we've talked about traveling and social media and what, what you have to give up at the border and not. And this is a tertiary story on that. But uh, if you're trying to get a U.S. visa now, you have to give them your social media accounts for the last five years and bio info going back 15 years. It now, is, that's just accounts, not passwords. Right. So your handles. Just, basically, your handles. So if you're smart enough to wipe your Twitter, like many people do on a regular basis, and your other social media, and one would assume that organized uh, situations such as ISIS have this in some sort of ISIS handbook, uh, <laughs> you're, you're not really going to get much from them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God forbid that you actually have a name that uh, you let go, and then somebody from ISIS picks up. And then starts running with it, then you're really screwed. But uh, yeah, yeah, it does say that the the, the and this is a change, um, and it's sort of a second tier of questioning where basically, if the government, the U.S. government, decides that they need more information from you, they will come back at you with these additional questions and asking for this additional biographical information. So not everybody gets this. Right. And um, but it is also uh, optional. It's voluntary. However, it's kind of one of those things where it's OK, fine. You don't you don't want to fill this out then no visa for you. No yeah. visa for you. Right. So, <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't know how much good this is going to do. My my, uh, my initial thoughts sort of mirror your own that. OK, so we're going to ask these questions. The, if the crook is the criminal or whatever, <laughs> the bad guy is dumb enough to answer these things honestly and they're a bad guy, then yeah, great. I mean, crooks are stupid. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> to, to, to be fair, yeah. many crooks are stupid. But but yeah, right. I think that the people that we are hoping to somewhat weed out are, are, are sophisticated enough and organizations that would follow playbooks that would not allow for this to simply easily catch someone. So, uh, you know, I. 
in theory, I don't have a problem with this. I mean, if you're running a, a country, as it were, uh, you you would like to know this information these days. This is the primary and very simple method to discover what somebody's beliefs may be. And it's it's out there and it's free. And I'm going to ask you what your handle is. And if you give it to me, eh, fair enough. And every terrorist yeah. in the world right now is setting up fake accounts with pictures of themselves and their cats and their puppies and going to picnics. So five years down the line, when they want I, a visa, they can just exactly. give them the handle of their their safe account. It's exactly. So we're going to catch dumb people. Mm. Well, and the article did say that uh, the United States already has the most strict or stringent uh, standards when it comes to these things anyway. So it's not mm. like we were behind anyone else in the world. We're already the most difficult. So yeah, it takes like three of, years to get a visa. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I have a tell friend my wife. who, <laughs> yeah, you know, my wife yeah, is I Canadian a, and even getting married, it was, it was a very difficult process. Mm. Yeah. I have a friend who's a, a lawyer who handles these sorts of things. And, and she has told me many times that one of the problems is it just takes so long for anyone who even wants to do it right. You know, yeah. uh, it can it takes years um and sometimes decades for people yeah. to try to do who's doing everything right not doing anything illegal um so and it's it's, a, it's just also a difficult. very it's a very byzantine process and uh, you know it, it, people that cannot afford a, a specific lawyer an immigration lawyer um you know you're you're <laughs> one piece of paperwork wrong you you signed one page in the wrong place that'll knock you back 2 3 years so you're, yeah you right. usol Mm-hmm. Yeah, evidently there are also a lot of um, uh, you know uh, crooked immigration lawyers who take advantage of people. Certainly not yeah. the majority, but there are enough of them out there that the legitimate ones, like my friend, um, it's a real problem for them. They they have many people come in who have been ripped off by someone who said, you know, for the low low price of five thousand dollars, I'll make you legal, and then yep. they take the money and and nothing bad happens. So it's. Um, it's just a it's a real problem and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. Well, here here's the upside. I think the uh the line is probably going to get shorter and shorter and shorter the the more the more you read the news. So, most people are trying to get out, not come in. Yes and no. I that's the the, the smarter people, the the people that we would want coming <laughs> in, the scientists and and you know, the well-learned people that are going to come and improve the quality of life here in Silicon Valley, etc. They're not coming here anymore. But uh there are a lot of really really poor people that this is still where you want to come to to try to try to improve your life. So, and yep. those are the people that are going to have the hardest time. Yeah, it's true. All right, let's move on. Yeah, there's a story in Wired uh, called Don't Buy into Putin's Latest Misdirection on Election Hacking. I think it's uh, a solid I, principle to not buy into Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Russia's president came out this week and um, in his own inimitable style had a few statements that we just found to be <laughs> kind of hilarious and awesome on the cyber wire. He, he said, <laughs> hackers are free people like artists. If artists get up in the morning feeling good, all they do all day is paint. <laughs> he said, hackers, he said, follow similar fits of inspiration. If they are feeling patriotic, they will start contributing as they believe to the justified fight against those speaking ill of Russia. In other words... <laughs> What he's saying is, I don't know anything about these people. They're patriots. It's it's a free country, yes. mostly. Yeah. Uh, they're just, you know, they're they, if they want to hack for us, what can I do as the as the as the bully leader of uh, our country? I can't control these people. 
I I support them, but it I don't re- I don't know. I don't have anything to do with this. So of course the rest of the world just kind of said, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Putin was Russian for Spicer. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh nice, nice. You're darn Putin, <laughs> Mr. Putin. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh John Matherly over at Shodan our favorite search engine where I store all my passwords and my Chinese cameras so I can find them later. Uh, Yeah, that's how I get into your Facebook when I travel overseas. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has found a metric shit ton of Hadoop servers that are improperly secured. uh, 4,487 of them, to be exact, Mm -hmm. that uh, have basically exposed over 5 petabytes of data. That would be 5,120 terabytes that is out Mm. in the wild right now that you can go grab. If you are so inclined, they're closing them up right now. But uh, yeah, yeah. Pay attention, little kitties, when you're spinning up those cloud instances, because people will find them. <laughs> Pretty soon you're talking about real data. Petabyte yeah. here, petabyte there. Exactly. Soon you're talking about real data. Yeah. Here a petabyte, there a petabyte, everywhere. Sorry, I have a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, and finally this week, um, I, you know, I, we, 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 you guys have been accusing me of uh, taking us in, on, in directions of downers lately. So I thought we'd end with a little funny story. And end on a funny note. Okay. Uh, Authority warns that they've discovered a new vulnerability called hospital gown. Now, gentlemen, why do you suppose that they have named this vulnerability hospital gown? It's an ugly color. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. your your back end is exposed. <laughs> because it exposes your back end, right? Yes. Right. Whee! All right. Yes. <laughs> So there are apps uh, in the app in the Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. Both of the organizations have been notified, and hopefully they're uh, under uh, the progress of fixing it. But um, you got to say, these researchers have a sense of humor. Hospital gown <laughs> exposing your back end. And with that, gentlemen, yes. I bid you adieu. Have a great weekend, and everybody, go check out Dave every weekday on the CyberWire at thecyberwire.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Ups and doodads. I have switched full time over to Opera. It's it's a pretty great browser. I'm enjoying it, and I've gotten past the humps of things being slightly different and uh, just kind of cruising along. However, I have this weird thing that keeps happening with my version of Opera, and I wonder if any if you, Jason, or anybody else out there is having that. Do your bookmark bar bookmarks move around randomly? No, they do not. Mine seem to keep doing it. I have like Facebook, Twitter, Slate, Recode, Salon, all those things in a couple folders full of client stuff, all in my bookmark bar. Mm-hmm. And randomly every day or two, Slate will have moved over or all of a sudden Recode's over on the other end. Now, I don't get what's going on. They keep moving around. Oh, here's a question. Are you using Xmark still to organize your yes. bookmarks? Um, maybe that's resyncing with another device that has it installed. Oh, that could be it. So, there you go. Yeah, you might have. Let me check into that. Yeah, look into that and see if Xmarks is like kind of overwriting. Check your preferences on that. Because what I did was I imported everything from Chrome into Xmarks and then turned it off in Chrome. So it was gotcha. like a one way it was a one way export out of Chrome then I picked it up into Opera left them the same way and then started customizing them and then published back to Xmark so then if I want to get them back I can pull them from anywhere else. I believe you found my problem. All right, how about that? There we go.
Real-time tech support. How about that? Real-time tech support. <laughs> Woohoo! I'll send you a check. All right. I installed Kodi on the Fire Stick. This was uh, I had gotten a Fire Stick with the express purpose of I wanted to run through the process of doing this to see what it was like. And then I tested some Fire Stick stuff that questions Jason had about how it uh, integrated with Echo and all that last week. So this week I installed Kodi. Now, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> First, you, I'm going to say, have you seen fun. the Matrix? <laughs> and red pill, blue pill. This is totally what this thing is. Um, first off, it was fun to like basically go through the process and kind of get into the nitty gritty of installing and bootstrapping and side loading things and all that sort of stuff. Fun that stuff. was cool. <laughs> it was fun. It was actually quite fun to go through the process of installing everything and getting it up and running and testing it. Um, I haven't done anything tech like that in a while, so that was great. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, why pay for anything is really what it comes down to. This thing is, uh, Cody is insane. Yep. It's just anything that you could ever want for free all the time. Music, movies, books, everything. Everything. I was watching Northern Irish, like, community TV, you know, yeah. like cable access TV from Northern Ireland for a while, just because it was it was there and you could do it. And it was fun. I mean, if you think BitTorrent is, was too difficult, <laughs> which I mean, that wasn't even, if you really needed to get something, like I said, I, I didn't want to be a season behind on Downton Abbey, so I BitTorrented all the episodes when they came out in Britain. I still paid PBS, so let you know that. Um, but this is un this is putting a slick UI on pirating. Oh, it's, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. It's super easy to install. I, I thought that well, I would have to wipe the Fire Stick to do it. No, it's just an app that sits on the Fire Stick, so you still get all your Fire Stick functionality if oh, you want really? it. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, a, is it a dual boot or? No, no, it's just an app. It, you, it's you run it just like you would run any other app on the Fire Stick. That makes sense because it's just Android. Exactly. Uh -huh. And going beyond that, you can also install our personal favorite uh, VPN, private internet access. Yep. So you which, can, which you better do. Which you better do, do it right away. So rather conveniently, I, you know, I, I was able to install private internet access. Use my same account. So I've got my VPN on there. I've got VP, I've got Cody running. I've got some of the the most well known different apps within Cody that basically give you everything. And I'm never going to use it because I can't believe this thing exists. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I. I it's, it's, it's just like shocking. Give, it's like giving a kid an AR-15. It really is. It's it is Matrix. It is it is like waking up in the Matrix. I I I, I fuck <laughs> the entertainment industry is so fucked. That's well, that's what I learned from doing this. Well, let's move on to my next story <laughs> because there's a company called Nagra Vision or Nagra as they're called, mm -hmm. and they basically are the people that are going to be going against Cody. Right. Uh, they've got an automated monitoring platform that scans all the live channels and VOD assets available on Kodi. And mm -hmm. then they offer their customers, which would be the copyright holders. Um, yeah. Basically, they can start sending out cease and desists and things mm -hmm. like that and then move to advanced takedowns if those don't work and then move into the legal realm. Right. So this, this, is, the, this is a turnkey company for copyright holders who want to protect their stuff on Kodi. Mm -hmm. And the problem is... They can't get this stuff off of Cody because it's out in the BitTorrentosphere. And right. what it, what this is, is this is another company that's just going to start going after the people who are using Cody. Yeah, of course, which is why you need that VPN installed if you're going to if you're going to do this sort of stuff. This is just like the MPAA back in the day, sending grandma's takedowns. 
you can just watch the parallels between this and what happened with the music industry. And, you know, what we will end up with is a one-stop shop streaming service for all video ever, a la Spotify for music. It's going to take 10 years, Yep. but that's what it is. So right now everything is out there Napster style for free if you get a Cody box. And then you're going to have the back and forth and then you're going to have a reasonable what we've been complaining about with cutting the cords and and bundling and all that. We're going to end up with a reasonable monthly fee to be able to access anything we want. And that's going to it's going to take 20 years to get there. But that's where it's going to head. Yeah, I think so, too, because I mean, the, the issue right now is you've got. Yeah, you've got your, you know, your Hulu's and your Netflix's and all that. But everybody's but scattered. Everybody's scattered. Everybody's at odds with each other. And especially when you have content owners owning the distribution platforms like Universal and NBC and all those guys owning Hulu, which mm-hmm. I still think is should be illegal. I don't think that they should. Well, it, actually, I still think Comcast owning Universal it should be illegal. I, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's, well, a, that's, a, that's a different to, show. <laughs> you want to start talking about that stuff. I mean, I, let's just go back to the previous segment. We have bigger fish to fry your Amazons, your, <laughs> yeah. your apples. Your, but uh, yeah, I agree with you with that. So uh, that, that's where it's going to head. And one other thing I want to mention quickly about the Cody thing, because I, I, I the first thing I questioned was, well, is it going to be any decent for live sports and things like that? Because, <laughs> you know, oh, my God, everything is on there. Everything. Everything. In every language. I mean, I've got to say, like, if I were if I were a Dodgers, like I am a Dodgers fan, and if I move out of market and I still want to be able to watch Dodger games, well, I can't because Time Warner Cable owns or now it's Spectrum owns the rights to it. They only broadcast on their own thing. I wouldn't be able to watch all Dodgers games. Well, I fucking can now. Yep. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And, and the great thing about it is it, like under I've got the with the Mugu guy pan box, you know, which is yep. pretty big to travel with. But you can stick that fire stick in your pocket and plug it into any hotel TV yep. and, you know, tether that to your phone and boom, you've got, you know, edge speed. Tether that to your phone. I mean, well, you can't okay. use hotel, hotel because you can't use hotel Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can go get one of those cheap, quote unquote, unlimited phones and just use that as your traveling Internet provider and watch whatever you want when you're on the road. You know, if I was still traveling which I will not doing anymore, thank God. That's what I would do. I'd get like a T-Mobile phone with one of their quote-unquote unlimited packages, tether yep. that to the the Fire Stick, and there's my that that is your unbundling right there. That is yep. you, you have cut the cord. Boom, done. Exactly. Craziness, craziness, craziness. Now, we talked about the Echo Dot before. I had it's, one. I had one for like you know last year, and I gave it away for Christmas because I didn't need it. I thought. Well, turns out I kind of liked it because I, I've only got my Echo in the kitchen, which I'm almost never in the kitchen anymore. I'm in my studio or my bedroom. So I bought two dots and plugged them in. Like the dot in my studio now is plugged into my studio setup with my monitors so I can listen to stuff through the monitors when I'm not actually editing audio. And then the one in the bedroom is for going to sleep and waking up in the morning. Problem I'm finding with these damn things is the voice recognition is so unbelievably terrible compared to the the big Echo. Yeah, it is. It really is. I'm experiencing the same thing. I have a dot in my bedroom. I have the big one out in the living room. The dot in the bedroom occasionally will pick up whatever I'm saying to the one in the living room, but not consistently. And it always gets it wrong compared to what I actually said. Uh, Here's what I did. I changed the (laughs) wake word. Uh, ah. In different rooms. So I have different wake words in different rooms so they don't pick each other up. But if you remember, the funny part was like uh, it was in December when I was first running the dot. It would wake up in the middle of the night 
from the dog snoring. That right. would wake it up, and it would bathe my entire room in blue light. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> what are you doing? So the nice thing is if you hit the, uh, the mute button before you go to bed, you get nice red light in your room. So it's kind of, you know, eerie and feels like you're back in, you know, art school. You need some candles and goth music and goth chicks hanging around, and it's, it's pretty nice. But for the most part, man, this dot is – you have to get it started and then mute it so it doesn't pick up anything else in the room. Yeah. What do you want for cheap? But the the reason it, it, it boggles my mind is because supposedly everything about the dot, it takes your voice, transcodes it into bits and bytes, sends it off to Amazon to be analyzed to figure out what the words are, and then acts on that. So the only thing that I can think of is that the microphones in the dot suck so bad that it's just not picking up what you're saying. No, I agree. I 100% think that's what it is. I think the mics that they put in there are a hell of a lot cheaper, a hell of a lot smaller. Obviously, they have to be because it's tiny. Um, that's got to be what it is. And and it's not like I'm calling at it from across the room. It is a foot and a half away from me. Yeah, I, th- I just think the mics suck. Yeah, it's, that's it. It's too bad. So. It's, yeah, I don't like the dot. I've got to be honest. I, 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 I wouldn't recommend getting one. I would just stick with the main system because it just doesn't seem to work. And it sounds like crap. I mean, the speakers are crap. And as, as we are positing right now, I think the microphones are crap. However, if you'd like to get a free one, uh, <laughs> Amazon is definitely pushing for people to develop skills. Now, I think that this is the wrong approach for them. Uh, they've just released a program, a promotional program that if you publish a skill, they will send you an Echo Dot for free. There are so many skills already that nobody gives a crap about. I don't think that sending setting this out into the world to just get anyone and everyone to develop and publish skills so they get something for free is the way for you guys to go, Amazon. I think you need some curation. I think that this is the same issue that we have with app stores, with everything. How about you just go after people that can make something useful? Well, here's here's another like angle that they might be coming from. We've got a warehouse full of these damn <laughs> dots that nobody's buying, and we've got Generation 2 coming, and we need to offload some of them. So all like, you know, maybe a thousand people are going to write these skills to get a free dot. Let's just get, yep. let's just, let's clear the warehouse. Yeah. Maybe I should publish that uh, grumpy old geek skill to get a dot, and then we can give it away to a listener. Hey, there you go. Get on that. <laughs> All right. I know I won't. And by the um, way, you mentioned before, I just want to go back to something you said real quick was uh, the speakers suck on it. Yeah. Um, yes, I wholeheartedly agree. But on both of mine now, I just lined out like like I said, the one in my studio lines out to my whole, you know, it lines out to my audio interface, then goes through yeah. my thousand dollar speakers. But the one in my bedroom, because the speaker sucks, I grabbed uh, a thirty dollar uh, Bluetooth box and just stuck the echo on top of that and play it through that. And it sounds great. So, yeah, I'm sure. But thus, you know, defeating the whole point of it being a single integrated item. Well, if I duct tape it together, <laughs> it's fine. I can put some yeah. Velcro and stick them together. But well, yeah. we're going to have another option pretty soon, Jason, and uh, one that sticks within the personal ecosystem that you and I seem to like. Apple is finally bowing to the pressure from the rest of the world to begin production of its own series speaker because these devices are doing so well. The Google Home and Amazon Echo. Apple's finally going, all right, well, maybe we should have done this in the first place. And now they're doing it. Yeah, but Siri still sucks. Siri does suck. Um, but, you know, if again, more people, more AI. 
better yeah. better service. So after this gets out there, and if a lot of people get it, it might help. Um, it also sounds like it's going to be well. Obviously, it's going to have the Apple look, so that might be good. Uh, they're supposedly producing virtual surround sound. Who the hell knows? And I don't give a shit about that, anyways. Music is stereo. I don't need surround. Um, but we'll see. Well, I mean, we'll see. This is at least a year away. It's supposedly going to be announced on June fifth, which is uh, two days from now. So yeah. we'll see. Back. The big Monday we'll see what announcement. Happens. Yeah, because we generally don't talk about these things until at least they're announced. But this is, you know, just speculation at this point. There's so much speculation going around about this talk on Monday that you can't even keep track of it. Yep. Uh, at least when it's over, it's over. And hopefully there'll be decent new laptops. Doubt it. Uh, yeah, I do too. From what I've heard, yeah, doubt it. <laughs> too bad. Now, Amazon, we talked about them uh, with their tablets, their Fire tablets, letting kids buy tons of apps and the FTC mm-hmm. went after them. Yeah. And said, nope, can't do it. Well, finally, they're offering the refunds. So if you're out there and your kids bought a bunch of apps or did uh, unauthorized in-app purchases, go to the link in the show notes and, you know, you can go and apply for a refund. You have until May 28th, 2018, which is one of those dumb deadlines because it's so far away that everybody's going to wait till the last minute. Then they're going to forget about it and skip it. So, you know, Amazon keeps the money, but go do it right away if you're affected by that. Do yourself a favor as a person and as just moving forward in life. Don't put things off. You just heard this now. If you know you need to do it, go and do it right now because otherwise you're going to forget. And why would you let Amazon keep the 20 bucks? Exactly. Oh, by the way, remember Texture that I I talked about maybe a month ago that they'd been charging me for a year and I didn't check my statements? Yes, I I do remember that. (laughs) Then I went and canceled them and, and turns out they kept billing me after I canceled course they did so i i got on the horn and uh said uh excuse me i canceled this two months ago stupid me you should have said you know seven months ago but i said i canceled this two months ago i was honest and you're still billing me for this uh please make sure this is canceled and i would like a two-month refund from when i canceled it before within five minutes their tech support got back to me and said oh uh we see that you started the cancellation process but did not complete it i'm like i hit cancel my account (laughs) And, and the three subsequent screens. Ah, but did you swing the chicken over your head at midnight? Uh, you know what? I didn't go Wittershins. That was the oh, problem. There you so, go. There. Yeah. And then they, within a few minutes, the guy got back to me and said, we're sorry. Here, here you go. Uh, and gave me the refund for the two months and gave me a cancellation number and said that we're sorry to see you go. And we're sorry for uh, overbilling you. And so they were very nice about it. So I got to give them... That's my, you know, good guy of the week props to texture. Now, have you gotten your statement since then? Yes, they have given me the money back. Okay, I was I was kind of hoping that they were going to charge you again because that's the way things go. Well, that'll be next month because they charged me on the first. Oh, and okay, my refund, my refund actually showed up in my account this morning for the two months. Uh, I'm giving it a 50-50 odds that you're going to get charged again. Uh, you know what? Hey, it's fodder for the show, so bring it exactly. on, texture. So financial woes, speaking of that, uh, The Verge has a nice little article about five essential apps to track your spending, save money, and pay your friends. If you are not using anything uh, technologically for your bank at this point, if you're still balancing your checkbook yourself, if you're still even using something as ancient as Quicken, I highly recommend you give this article a run through. I personally don't use any of these specific apps, but I'm aware of them. They all seem pretty good. Um, there's some interesting, it's a long article, so you'll learn a lot about these. I'm personally a fan of personal capital, which they don't mention. Um, there you go. I mean, this tech is out there. It's pretty easy. If you're still worried about being in the cloud, you're 95 years old, uh, get over it and get on your money. 
Okay. I, I actually have a bookkeeper, <laughs> a, a human that goes through and, and checks this stuff who just didn't know what texture was on my last bit. But we've right. gone through every single item in my in in my ledger every month. And if she sees something that isn't that wasn't there before, she flags mm-hmm. it and gets to me right away. So I, I just went the human route with that. It's a little more than an app, but at least I can sleep at night. Right. Media Candy. Brian, you're a Harry Potter fan. I enjoyed the books. I enjoyed the movies. I have not uh, like gone to Harry Potter world or anything. I thought you were going to that. Didn't you have tickets? No, you know, the kid, bad timing. When oh, OK, because I thought you I thought you guys had like pre-release tickets to go check that thing out. We were going to try to get there before, but when she was still pregnant, it just didn't work out. Uh, too bad. I heard a, a bunch of people went that really liked it. Anyway, Warner Brothers has given the official go-ahead for an unofficial Harry Potter prequel about Voldemort. Well, if it's an official go-ahead, it's no longer unofficial, then, is it? Well, it is. A, it was an unofficial <laughs> prequel. Now it is an official prequel uh, that is unofficially unofficial official. Officialized. Now, has, has, <laughs> has, has Rowling signed off on this or just Warner Brothers? Uh, the, uh, I don't because know. Because that's it's... what would make it unofficially official. I don't know, but... Uh, the thing is, I think Warner Brothers owns the film rights, so yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. That's interesting. Well, that's, that's interesting that's, to that's, think about. That's what I would I would consider it if the, if the creator of the universe signs off and says that this is this is canon, then I'll be interested. Yeah. Otherwise, this is just Axnar. But yes, and Axnar, the 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 one Star Trek fan film that they had the problems with CBS over the the rights on that, the Axnar ruling is basically what let these guys go forward because Warner brothers came back to them and said, Hey, here's the deal. (laughs) We're going to compromise on this. So long as the film is released, not for profit for free on YouTube. Yeah. Go ahead and do it. Right. So you're going to get a free Voldemort prequel and I, the trailers out there and it it was actually a really well done trailer. I thought. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it looks it looks all right. It looks polished. It looks pretty polished, and they've got kick, they've got Kickstarter money behind them. Of course. The, well, isn't that tech? Yeah. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll let the we'll let the lawyers tangle over whether they actually made money or not. Yeah. I'm not going to watch Axnar, and I'm not going to watch Voldemort, and because I just don't care anymore. I do care yeah. about House of Cards, though. Have you been watching the the latest season? I, I it's on CNN 24 hours a day, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Watch Co- it Kofifi right now. season five. <laughs> I I got into it. I watched the first seven episodes, and I have to go back and watch it again because I was so bored. I wasn't even paying attention. I was playing games on my iPad the whole time. Now, see, that's that's why I dropped out last season. That yeah. was happening to me. So I don't know if I'm going to even bother watching. My the wife asked me if we wanted if I wanted to watch one last night, and I was like, uh, isn't there anything else on? See, I want to go back and watch the last episode of last season because when you when you go into it cold, they have a few previously ons and you just can't get into it. So I'll go back and watch it and check it out. And right, you know, it's it's free. I pay for Netflix. Well, it's it's not free because I pay for free. Netflix. I, I I pay for Netflix. So unless you watch well. it through your Cody box and stop paying, ah, uh, that's true. That's true. But I'm not going to do that because I do like supporting the people who make the stuff that I like to watch. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, they made another thing. <laughs> called War Machine, which is the Brad Pitt movie about General Stan McChrystal. 
Yes, there's a gigantic ad for it uh, right off the street that I turned into to get to my house. Um, we interviewed Stan McChrystal on The Art of Charm. I recommend saying screw War Machine and just go listen to our interview because our interview was way more entertaining than this abortion of a movie. It was right. bad. It was okay. It was really just not good. I, I was waiting for it to be something that just never came. It's like if you watch the first 20 minutes... That's all it is. It is a movie just like that. There is no twist. There's no turn. Nothing. It's right. just bad. And and Brad Pitt with that stupid accent and running around in these really weird shorts. It was strange. I can't get behind that. I cannot get okay. behind that. Uh, I, I just know you're a Brad Pitt fan and you'd be, you know, all over this if I didn't warn you. <laughs> yes, I, I, had, <laughs> I had it queued up, ready to go. Of course. Uh-huh, I, mean, yeah. I, I know you and the Pitster. You have a long history. That's right. Especially yeah. since that Lestat movie, man. I know you just you got a poster on your wall and everything. I call him Louie. I don't even call him Brad. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did get to finally get around to see uh, T2 train spotting. I still have not done that. Do it. Okay. Get to it. Because you know what? It is a a fantastic follow-up to the original. I thought okay. it was I thought it was a worthy successor. And uh, there was even a little tear at the eye at the end. It was I thought it was really good. Is this thing streaming yet? You've you've linked to the Blu-ray. I'm I I I don't Blu-ray. Uh yeah. Well, it'll be uh for VOD soon. I had a, a friend in Hollywood uh, slide me a copy of it. Ah, there you so, go. It's good to know people sometimes. I don't sometimes because I don't. Th- I'm pretty sure this is not on the uh, the back channels of the internet at this point. There was like one really bad can with just like you know terrible audio way in the beginning. But uh, yeah, a friend of mine who works in the biz slid me a copy. So. Well, I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, just, you know, ha- get have some beers, kick back, turn the lights off and watch it. And it's it's great. Soundtrack's great, obviously. And uh, just so many callbacks to the original. It's just fun. It is a fun movie that really wraps everything up nicely. Everything that you just said, except for the wrapping things up nicely part, also applies to Twin Peaks. Okay. <laughs> If you drink a bunch of beers and you sit in a dark room and you watch it and it has lots of callbacks to the original and <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've caught up. I'm, I've gotten the four episodes that have been released so far. Holy crap. It is weird. OK, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it gets progressively less weird and then it gets weird in a different way again. And some of the the, the first two episodes basically just hit you upside the head with a two by four. Yeah. Uh, then you get a little bit of the charm and and Twin Peaksiness of that you would expect with some more weirdness. Uh, there's no doubt that he is just going for it. Uh, it's pretty insane, uh, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I really am. So if you if you are up to take a damn weird David Lynch ride, it's worth it. Okay. I still have to go back and read the... I haven't watched the, the next episodes because of what you told me about going back and watching the WikiLeaks. Not WikiLeaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Twin Peaks on WikiLeaks. WikiPeaks. <laughs> I'm sure there's a WikiPeaks out there for Twin Peaks fans. I'm uh, sure there is. Yeah, I have not watched the, or read the recaps yet. So once I read the recaps, I'll get into it. But I think I'm just going to wait for the whole thing to drop and then just have a weird day and do Twin Peaks Day and just watch the whole thing in one go. Cool. Yeah, good idea. T.J. Miller has broken his silence about leaving Silicon Valley. This was a big story that uh, T.J. Miller is going to not be on Silicon Valley next season, to which I say smart because the show is getting worse and worse. <laughs> I can't watch it. I'm done with it. So, yeah. Yeah. And T.J. Miller is just a weirdo anyway. 
He is a weirdo. That's why I wasn't very surprised by this. He seems like obviously, you know, you stick around for the last year, maybe, you know, at least one more year to get the big paycheck. But no, he's just a weird guy and doesn't want to. And he's making enough money anyways. He's in Deadpool and he has his own HBO special now and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, yeah whatever. Yeah. Don't, yep. don't care. Don't, don't, doesn't really. Yeah. It doesn't really interest me. I'm going to see out this season of Silicon Valley, but I can't see myself watching another. Okay. Well, let me know how it goes. It's <laughs> can, pretty boring. That that was the that was the problem. Yeah. Well, since you used to work with Alanis Morissette, I thought you might be interested in the fact that Jagged Little Pill is now going to become a musical. I am interested in this fact because this has been trying. She has been trying to make this happen back when I still worked for her. So this has been a ten year odyssey, apparently, or not ten years. When did the Green Day's American Idiot musical come out? Oh, uh, that's when I worked at because I worked on that album at Warner Brothers. So this was. 2001 or 2 ish. Yeah, but the musical, not not yeah. the album. Oh, itself. oh, the musical. Oh, yes. The musical came out about 4 years after that, so maybe 2005ish. So, yeah, so ever since that uh happened, uh, the person that adapted Green Day as American Idiot as a musical was immediately contacted Alanis, mostly a lot of connections between management there, and there were discussions about it since then. And the fact that it's finally happening now it just makes me laugh because this guy must well i guess the guy is not even involved anymore so that sucks for him so the guy that did the green day one is no longer involved in the jagged little pill one happening now it's diablo cody because you know chick and that's what alanis does and that's on brand for alanis yeah uh, you know at least with the green day american idiot there was at least it was vaguely somewhat of a concept album that had a thread that ran through it that would make sense as a musical yeah jagged little pill is a series of fucking pop songs exactly <laughs> so good luck with that i mean obviously what they're going to try to do is is like what they did with the janice joplin musical which is you'll have musical numbers and it'll be the thread of janice well in this case alanis's actual life a pop star in canada tv star that came to la and yeah. established herself <laughs> with her own identity blah 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 blah, blah. yeah you lost me already <laughs> so. yeah so who gives a crap okay. uh, more importantly radiohead is sharing some of their previously unreleased songs from the okay computer sessions okay computer being one of probably my favorite albums of all time they are calling it okay not okay it's the 20th anniversary reissue and you can listen to the they will have eight b-sides in total three previously unheard songs from the album session sessions it'll be out june 23rd but the band has released the first called i promise uh it is available on youtube now and it does sound more like a ben song than okay computer song so i understand why it was not put on the album okay but it's good if you say so not a radiohead guy but i know what you gonna do i i am though a second city tv and kids in the hall it was sctv sorry i don't want to don't want to expand the acronym uh sctv and kids in the hall I was huge fans of them, and they are teaming up for a show in Toronto. Yep. Which I would love to go to. Um, this is a, it's basically Dave Thomas's, is, Dave Thomas is trying to raise funds for his nephew, Jake Thomas, who's uh, been paralyzed from the waist down after a spinal cord injury. And mm-hmm. everybody is coming out of the woodwork. We've got Dave Thomas, Rick Moranis, take off, eh? Um, so you got Bob and Doug McKenzie there. You got Martin Short. You got Dan Aykroyd, Kathleen o- or Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, John Flaherty, um, Dave Foley, Scott Thompson, Kevin McDonald, Paul Schaefer, Ian Thomas. I mean, this is, it's going insane with this. <laughs> Problem here is, A, it's in Toronto. I'm sure it's going to be sold out already because it's on July 18th. Tickets are from $500 to $2,500 each. Yep. 
basically every Canadian comedian ever except for Mike Myers is going to yeah. be there. Well, they're saying that there's going to be star-studded guests, so... Well, he's the only one left from this list, <laughs> so I think we figured out who the star-studded guest is. Yeah. <laughs> no, that would be an amazing show. Hopefully, what they will do is they will film it and sell it. Oh, of course they will. This will be out, so I'm looking forward to it. I would love to get to this, too. This is an unbelievable lineup, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, A, I don't have 500 to $2,500, plus a ticket to Toronto or a place to stay, so... and. In a month and a half. Ain't, ain't yeah. no way. I can't kick our tenants out just so you can crash for one night. Sorry. Hunting unicorns. Hunting unicorns. Ah, our stock market bets. Mm. Here we are. Mm-hmm. So the premise again was we had, we took $10,000. We went over to this site called howthemarketworks.com. We set up a little contest. Uh, we each allowed ourselves to buy five stocks. Uh, both Jason and I did it in the tech field. And a uh, friend of the show, Mike, took non-tech stocks as a control to see how we would do. And uh, we would check in once a month to see what's going on. I'm proud to announce that I am kicking everyone's ass. Yes, you are. I am up 31.16%, so I've made a grand total of $3,000 so far this year using uh, these. I picked Apple, Electronic Arts, Microsoft, PayPal, and Sony Entertainment, of which uh, the big kick-ass winner is, of course, Apple, more than anything else. That is, uh, as per usual, making me the most money. Yeah, I'm up 22.88%. I've made uh, 22.87 so far. I picked Tesla, NVIDIA, uh, Intel, Netflix, and Cisco. And Mike, our, our control, who was uh, confident that he was just going to go with the the good, strong, the regular stocks chips. that will <laughs> the old blue chips that were always going to beat us, including Burke B, Caterpillar, um, some other stuff that I don't even remember right now. Well, Mike is getting his ass handed to him. Sorry, Mike. Six point six nine percent. Six point six nine percent. So you've made six hundred and sixty nine dollars. I guess I know what you're going to spend that on. Technology for the win. Now, we also have our side bet, uh, Twitter, which at the end of the year, uh, Jason bought some Twitter stock. If he made any money off of it whatsoever, I one would cent. buy him a six-pack of beer. One he, cent he is all I need. <laughs> and he's looking on track to make about that. Yeah, I'm up two bucks uh, per share right now. I bought it 16.33, and Twitter closed at uh, 18.31. So I've made, uh, made a few bucks on it so far. We are about halfway through the year, Jason. Twitter has to somehow make, manage to make it another six months. Yeah, I've made uh, $25.70 so far. I'm up 8.46%. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Tech. Fun. Brick-a-brick. Mm-hmm. Oh, Paul Allen and your Microsoft money. You crazy, crazy man. I love this. This is exactly what these people should be doing with this crazy amount of money. So Paul Allen is getting into the space game just like everybody else with uh, billions of dollars. And he made the world's largest airplane. Suck on it, Spruce Goose. This is the Strato Launch. <laughs> it looks like two planes fused together. Ident- it's like Siamese planes. They are Siamese planes with just mass- six massive engines. Did you look at the wheels on the back? Mm-hmm. There are like six sets of wheels on the back. Only one set on the front, but it uh, balances in the middle. It kind of, it actually kind of looks like uh, Virgin Galactic's plane that launches their their spacecraft as well. So I'm I'm guessing uh, maybe maybe somebody should have a lawsuit there, uh, <laughs> a la Waymo and uh, and Uber. Anyway, this thing is 380. It's got a wingspan of 385 feet, which is pretty damn big. It's yeah. 50 feet tall. Without any gas in it, it weighs half a million pounds, and it can also, when it's fueled, 
add on another 250,000 pounds. And when you put a rocket on it, 1.3 million pounds. And the whole goal of this plane is to take a rocket up to 35,000 feet, drop it, and let it go to orbit. Nice. Which is pretty damn cool. It is. Because what the cool thing about it is it can get in alignment with where the satellite needs to be in orbit. So all the thing has to do is just fly up and straight. You obviously will have some navigation on it and course correction, but it, it takes away a lot of, you know, that thir- first 35,000 feet getting off the ground is where most of the gases burn. So they just, yeah, yeah let's take it up. Let's take it up high. You know, <laughs> I, I think the Virgin Galactic plane goes to 70,000 feet before it launches, but uh, this is uh this is a lot more weight. So it's, but it's, it's a pretty badass looking plane. Now let's move on to Iceland. Poor Iceland. Okay. They've got I their, love Iceland. They've got their first Costco. Ooh, that must be exciting for them. Yes, there are 30, 334,000 people in Iceland, and mm-hmm. this has been making the rounds, But uh, and I'm sure this number has gone up since this, this happened. But after they, they opened the first Costco, 62,000 of the citizens joined the Facebook group for Bought in Costco Iceland, Pictures and Prices. <laughs> And, it, and they, the name is in Icelandic, which I will not even try and slaughter because I That's have wise. no idea. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, enjoy that. Uh, enjoy all of your little stores closing and you will have one store left by the end of this and it will just be Costco. No, now, okay. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Costco is going to actually go out of business in Iceland. They're not going to last. This is exactly what happened with Target in Canada. Now, prices are higher. Uh, same thing in Iceland. In Canada, the prices are higher because, you know, healthcare that is covered mm. for everyone, education that is covered for everyone. So there's taxes on stuff. So American prices are, artific- well, not artificially low. We just don't give our people anything in exchange for not taxing them for it. Well, yeah. So, they, that, yes. Costco, you know, all of the employees in Costco are, they're encouraged to take state benefits. So yes. they're they're wage slaves with state assistance for the yes. most part. So the, the point being that these these low these big budget retailers uh can't they, they don't last in these countries. It, 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 Target Target opened up in Canada and everybody lost their minds cuz it was like, "Oh my god, it's finally here." And it eventually went out of business because it doesn't work in these countries where you have to tax things. So it, it's not going to last. But I think this is hilarious and it's it, it is exciting. Like when all of a sudden it, a store opens up that has everything and the prices are 70% less than anywhere else in your country, you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. You know, you know what they should do? Costco should, they should partner with Paul Allen and use the Strato launch to carry over all the goods <laughs> that go into the Costco. Cause you could just have like, you know, one, one flight a month to co- completely restock the store with that thing. That's true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what are you going to do? Uh, I've never been to Iceland. I'd like to go. My brother went Me and too. he just goes batshit over it. He loved it. Yeah. Oh, well. Do you remember Demolition Man, the movie? I vaguely remember seeing it once. With Stallone. And we talked about it last week, I think, when uh, with the eyeball, uh, the retinal yeah. recognition. Mm-hmm. And in Demolition Man, basically, you, Wesley Snipes took a guy's out, put it on a stick and held it up in front of the thing. It was kind of Sandra Bullock's first big movie, right? She looked hot in that movie, too. Oof. Well, I'm scanning through the little clip right now, and she looks gorgeous. She still looks good. She still looks good. <laughs> Jesse James, what were you thinking? Ugh, Idiot. Dumbass. So the the greatest joke in Demolition Man is about the three seashells. When Stallone goes to the bathroom in the future for the first time, you're supposed to wipe your ass with these three seashells that are sitting on the 
mm-hmm. next to the toilet. And I did some research on this a long time ago. And it turns out they never had, much like the, uh, what is that movie that you're watching that you hate so much? The Leftovers. Uh, they, oh, yes. They just made this up and said, we don't even need backstory on it. We're just going to make something that's going to confuse people forever. Nice. <laughs> and Gizmodo has an article. This may be the best art ever made to hang in your bathroom. And it is a cartoon drawing of the three seashells. Unfortunately, it's sold out and I can't buy it. But the artwork that they posted is high enough resolution that I may just print it and put it in my bathroom until it goes on sale. <laughs> so okay. If you're a Demolition Man fan, go check out the three seashells. I just, I, I, I'm sorry. I laughed my ass off when I saw this one. I'm like, this is genius. I'd much rather have a photo of Sandra Bullock up. Um, I think the wife might be a little upset about that. I don't know. I think she likes her too. Feedback loop. We have a new Patreon subscriber, Joe Richley. Thank you so much. Uh, you're writing in all the time, so uh, we're happy that you're actually supporting us through the Patreon link. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, we also got a direct donation from Ben Stanley via PayPal. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. Now, Jason... Yes. You and I have been doing this podcast for a long time, and I feel like we finally made it. We we have we have broken through the the velvet rope, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate we we appreciate the donations; they're fantastic. But Chocolate Rain is now following us on Twitter. Tayzande, game over. <laughs> Point set match. I am updating our ad rates as we speak. Yes, we have. We have. <laughs> we have made it. And yes. in a side note, personally, Adam Curry started following me on Twitter this week. Apparently, he didn't listen to my review of his new no. podcasting device. No, his bot followed you. Yeah, yes, the the Curry bot. Yeah. So we do actually have some real comments, and these are coming from Twitter. Uh, Nathan Ritzma has uh, said, sent in, check out this sorcery and links to the Rocket Rocketbook Wave Smart Notebook and Pilot Friction Clicker. Would that be Frijon? Frijon clicker. Okay, what Frijon. is this? Oh, this now, is this that is, notebook. Yeah, this is the notebook that you can. Yeah, it's the first smart microwave to erase and reuse notebook, which is kind of cool. It also has an app, and I guess the things can transfer back and forth or whatever. The price is right. It's certainly better than your Google thing you brought to the table yes uh, last week. That was fifteen thousand dollars or whatever. <laughs> yeah. This is thir- this is thirty eight bucks and seventy two cents on Amazon. <laughs> uh, and it was funded by Indiegogo for one point two four million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. it's kind of cool. It's interesting. Yeah, I, the the microwave to erase notebook has been around forever, but making this a smart book, which is kind of interesting. Like it has different little things that you can tap at the bottom to send a you know Google Drive, Dropbox, Evernote. It's interesting, and the price is right because uh, you know what the the Moleskine with Evernote and the Super Pen that you have to buy from them is like well over a hundred bucks. Yep, that's true. So if you really feel the need to have something written that also transfers back and forth, uh, this just seems like an interesting way to go. Definitely. All right. Barrett Reese writes in, uh, in the article is Plex just killed my cable box rental and it could kill yours too. Now, Brian, you check this article out. What 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 does it say? Well, uh, Plex is basically a media server for your house. So it pulls in all your old stuff that you actually own. And uh, has apps and whatnot, and and they're now launching this five dollar per month uh, live TV service, um, which you know not quite as as involved as YouTube TV or anything like that. It's a it's a first step towards a cord cutter's paradise, but then you know you can just hit the home run and get a Cody box. That's true. 
but it is nice to see, you know, these these attempts at, at legalities are, are nice. The, I would not invest in anything like this at this point in time. It doesn't make sense to me, but it's it's interesting. I mean, I want to see more things like this happening because this is how we're going to get to the, as we talked about, the Spotify of all media. Yeah, it'll get there. It'll definitely get there. And I do have a little bit of follow-up on YouTube TV and the Chromecast. They've apparently updated some stuff, and it has not crashed since the last Grumpy Old Geeks. So I think maybe they listen to our show. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Ivor writes in, uh, you do not have the right to marry your laptop in Utah, which is very strange for Utah, since apparently in Utah you can marry anything <laughs> that you want, but now you just can't marry your laptop. But you're skipping his joke, Jason. He sent that link, but uh, his joke was he can have mine. Unlike most wives, it actually sucks. <laughs> oh, but um, ching. <laughs> yeah. And then we have some comments coming over from our site, GOG.show. The first is from Ben. Actually, I think the only one this week. So this is from Ben. Dude, the Leftovers is amazing. I don't care where the people went and neither should you. Given to the unknown, the characters, the acting and the writing are amazing and I can be pretty finicky. Um Ben, I agree with you. All of that is true, except for the fact that I will be sitting with a big, gaping, empty hole in my brain after the finale airs tomorrow. We'll see if you still feel the same way once that's happened. And then all of a sudden you're like, so all of this was meaningless? (laughs) Oh, great. Thanks. Thanks a lot. That's awesome. I actually read an article from the showrunner this morning where he was he was very sad about the way that he handled he and the other show creators on Lost handled it when Mm -hmm. the final episode aired and they kind of just went underground. And yep. he said, for this one, I'm going the other way around. Any questions you have, hit me up. I will answer them all. <laughs> uh, what happened to them? I never wrote it. Don't know. Yeah. Told you in the beginning. Don't care. Told you in the beginning. Don't care. <laughs> yep. It's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> all right. Sorry. We did have another one. So go ahead, Jason. This next one comes from Michael Halverson. Love you guys. Been listening for a couple months. Thank you for the weekly entertainment. You're my go-to after listening to depressing NPR political podcasts. Well, there's your problem. Um, as long as, you know, that it's like you, you have to eat the sewage before you can have the seaweed or however that, That's, whatever that yeah, analogy yeah, goes. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I started with sewage, so what are you going to do? And NPR was the sewage, by the way, in case you're uh, questioning that one. I was born in eight, Jesus. Oh. 1896. <laughs> My God, you're the grumpiest old geek of them all. Two questions. I was born in 1986, not 1896. Is uh, <laughs> the the bit that you won't hear that was cut out of the show. <laughs> I was um, funny, damn it. Uh, unfortunately, this technically makes me a millennial. I always refute this because fuck those entitled shits. You're not a millennial if you ever called your crush and worried about their mom or dad answering the phone. Do you agree? Well, you know, kinda. I guess in the old days, unless there were. I don't know. People still had via voice over IP phones well, at, at the house. You know? So, uh, so 1986. Yeah. So when he's got his crushes, it's probably around 2000 ish. Yeah. Some around that. It depends on when he, uh, you know, sprouted to manhood. So maybe, you know, 1996 around there, because we did have phones and pagers then. Either way, you know, he's on For the For me, cusp. it's like if you consider 21 pilots alternative, then you're a millennial. Yeah, I don't that's, know what that's, that means. That's, that's where we're going. So, okay. <laughs> I got the VPN you plug. Love the idea of the fuck you to the FBI. However, when I read the article below, I came to wonder, how can you be sure your payment info doesn't correlate with IP usage? 
didn't happen in the article, but could it? And I read through this whole thing. I don't know if you did, Jason. Uh, the thing about VPNs is you want to find a VPN that doesn't log. And if they do log, it still won't really matter because there's these are clusters of IP addresses that hundreds of people, that anybody else that's using the same VPN as you is using the same IP. They would not be able to tease out your traffic from other people's traffic. So it's kind of a, it's a no-go. Now, that's the current situation. You have to keep in mind that VPNs and law enforcement are currently in a one-upsmanship battle. So, Well, the, the other thing I think he might have been talking about was his payment to private internet access was logged from his IP, which, you know, we know that they know who you are. We That's, yeah, that's been this, established. And this goes back to a Bittner-esque kind of question that we talk about recently all the time in the security segment, which is if they ask you if you're using a VPN, you have to say yes anyways. Mm -hmm. So that's a non-issue. Now, right. the, the point, you know, they're going to know that you're using a VPN. That's going to be obvious no matter what, but they won't be able to track your traffic specifically. Right. That's that's that seems to be the real issue. So and that can't happen. Right. And I did. Can. Yeah. And I did read this article a couple months ago when we had it in the show before. So oh, and yeah, that's that's go. why I, I use this as a test case to say that this is the only VPN that has been field tested by the FBI going after them and them coming back saying, look, this is all we got. We do not yep. log, period. Yep. That's yep. why we stand by these guys. And uh, over at iTunes, we got another five-star rating, which is awesome. This is from I Don't Believe You. <laughs> I Don't Believe name. You. Okay. Uh, good listening material. Can't quite explain why this podcast is fun to listen to, but it is, and I am hooked. Maybe because I'm learning and being entertained at the same time. Thank you. Well, no, thank you. I Don't Believe You. Thank you very much. If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five star and a snarky review. Closing shout outs. A sad rest in peace to Hollywood House of Blues. You will be missed. I can't even tell you how many bands I actually saw there. Uh, we have a link in the show notes. The demolition has begun. You Aww. can actually see them being destroyed. I think I see the couch that I might have possibly had a sexual experience on once uh, in the corner. <laughs> I'm very sad. It uh, sucks. Also, I saw them so many. T I saw so many bands there. That, that yeah, really yeah. sucks. It is sad to see a venue like that go away. So mm. uh, who knows what they're going to put up there. Probably some bullshit apartments virtual virtual reality stadium <laughs> bunch of idiots all right so and also a shout out uefa champions cup final is today i'm going to go start watching it as soon as jason hangs up on me i'm very excited by the time you hear this you will know if juventus or real madrid is the uefa champion cup winner oh i'm so I, excited I, I can't cares. wait <laughs> i'm running down to my my goo bang and i'm gonna watch it live <laughs> yeah damn right until next time i'm brian schulmeister and i'm jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. GOG.show is our home base where you can listen to old shows, leave feedback, ask us questions, get links to our awesome sponsors and stuff we like. If you're an app person, you can listen to us on the Podcast One app for iOS and Android. Get it at podcastone.com slash apps. If you'd like to become an official friend of the podcast, go to GOG.show slash support where you'll find all of the ways you can support the show and keep us on the air. To learn more about all of the people who make this show possible, head over to GOG.show slash about. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at GOG.show slash 212. Born in 1896, Michael is the grumpfazest of all. Dick. <laughs>